Hi, everyone. Welcome to What If. This is our fifth conversation in the series. And now What If is a series of conversations into the unknown and new concepts to help us build our new world with radical imagination of current systems and structures. Structures. We've ventured to find the thinkers and imagineers that can help guide us in our world building. Each of our guests is what we'd like to call an imagination rebel, looking for new ways of being, exploring ideas on the fringes of society. We do these conversations monthly on the new moon, just because it's an ideal time to be really open to new ideas. Uh, we're having this conversation today, uh, just, just after the March new moon and also after the equinox. So it's a big time, big energy shift in the air. Um, we like to kind of reference from the Colonel community, the words of Sister Tabebwa, who each month shares uh, beautiful kind of like, you know, what to expect with each moon, what the energy brings. So for this March full moon and the equinox, uh, it brings karmic endings to things that began in March 2021, which is actually when COVID start was emerging. So yeah, this is a big one. <laughs> um, with it brings destined redirections in our paths, sharpening the details of our realities and revealing what needs cleaning, nurturing, organizing and fixing. It is definitely a time for heightened emotions and major changes with this big uh, energy shift, but it's also a time for powerful, a powerful time to be optimistic uh, with focused intentions, setting goals, still dreaming big, still exploring magic and really enjoying uh, deep meditation. So it's a time for balance uh, as all these big energy changes are coming. So that's kind of what we take with us into this conversation. Um, and yeah, I'll let you, Fang, introduce our guest today. Um, so today with us uh, yeah, are Andy and Salim, who are uh, Colonel Stewards and now dear friends as well. Um, Colonel is a conversation in a block of 250 billion people intended to come out. Creativity with care. We aim to change the way we think of contributing and the kinds of projects to which we contribute. Kernel is about humility, honesty, gratitude, and intentional service. Kernel is a peer-to-peer -peer learning community dedicated to the journey towards better understanding of truth in our work, in our relationships with others, and in our inner worlds. Our question is, how can we build a better web for people we care about? And one possible question for you is, how can I participate in a way that honors my gifts and who I really am? Our answer is seed an educational community where people come to trust through firsthand experience that we can learn together how to create with care. Um, without further ado, um, I'll let Nirmala introduce our What If prompt for this wonderful episode number five. Yeah, and, and this is really special because um, Fang and I actually met in Kernel. So it, it's kind of like Kernel is our origin story. <laughs> so it's cool to have um, Andy and Salim, both of you here, uh, to kind of share some background on Kernel so we can share it out with the world. Um, 
but also dive into, I think what's really unique about the educational process or the way you've built this educational community. The what if prompt we have today is actually inspired by Salim, uh, who suggested this, which I actually love. What if the learner is the educator? And I think that's, you know, kind of being, having gone through kernel, uh, I really kind of feel that sense of like the learner and the educator kind of come, that energy kind of coming together, which is really powerful. So maybe we could just start with introducing a little bit of background on kernel. And I think one term you often hear in kernel is, you know, building communities of care. And, and I think that's really unique about kernel. And I'd love to kind of dive into, yeah, the background and also what do you mean around defining a community of care? And what is care? What does care actually mean to you? Salim, would you like to begin with the prompt or do you want me to take care first? Uh, I'd like to hear you first. I think uh, I learned I I learned this um, in the theme in KB5 as well, right? So also meeting Peng and Nirmala in KB5. Uh, right at the beginning. So I think this is really a question for you and maybe I can riff on my, uh, my interpretation of it as a fellow. Mm. Wonderful. I don't wanna define care, the way that we think about education in general, educare from the Latin to draw out in kernel, we don't provide answers and we certainly don't provide definitions. The, Again, the etymology there means to encircle or enclose. So I'm the last person who's going to define what care is, but I have some suggestions for conversation, <laughs> which is that it might center around the kind of honesty, humility, gratitude, reciprocity that Fang read about in the intro there and how it manifests in our day-to-day -day interactions and the quality of the relationships that we focus on is in this word responsibility. And, and I put a gap in there specifically because responsibility or the ability to respond to others, to your environment, to the world at large in which you find yourself is a skill that you can cultivate. It is a possibility to become increasingly ever more aware of it. You never reach final points of responding to everything because it's combinatorially explosive as well but you can go on this journey of continual refinement and the ability to respond to others to the world at large to the total situation in which you find yourself has a great deal to do certainly in my experience with my ability to be aware of and care for life in whatever form it presents itself to me i'm you know biased to to humans because i have that kind of evolutionary and biological program but i am endeavoring through various different experiments like growing bonsais and making pottery and doing all sorts of stuff to try and cultivate this capacity in what I'm calling the world at large here, because it's not limited to humans, although other human relationships seem to be its place of most intense practice. 
it's the real crucible <laughs> in some sense uh, in which we begin to learn together what care might indicate. What I like about Andy's answers is that they, I think you, you, you did what you said. Um, you walked the walk, right? Like the answers answering, not through a direct answer, but through like interconnection and, and, uh, and also the kernel is like about us fellows, uh, orienting through dialogue and learning through dialogue. Um, here, I think care for me stood out because so much of my, uh, uh, I guess my sort of commercial background is things like product and startups and technology and, uh, and what Colonel helped me do even before becoming a fellow was to, uh, I always think about it like, uh, learning to navigate by the stars, right? Like when you go through Colonel, you get a, such a broader sense of where you are and things, um, which is what drew me in and and this idea of care um just as a theme as a as a focus um for me it means approaching even setting goals and approaching your work through this intention of of care to other people right so um uh and that can be so intrinsic um, it doesn't need to be an add-on. It doesn't need to be like a, an afterthought. Um, and when it becomes intrinsic, um, it just, it opens worlds, right? And it changes changes the, the nature of the, even the material you're dealing with and trying to work with. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it helped look at, I could think about care from the point of view of say product design of like, you know, serve your customer, build something that is of use, um, understand and empathize. And even today, like these terms, like empathy is becoming like a, almost a corporate double speak term. Um, but here we have it built into a conversation about what is the nature of our relationship with each other, given these longstanding economic and social norms that have happened for millennia, right? And now blockchain now is very relevant in that kind of horizon and that timeline. And so for me, that's where care, the the attention to care in that uh, in that scope is so meaningful. Um, so that's what I took from it uh, as as I learned and went through the syllabus in KB five and wanted to uh, yeah wanted to just include in the way in the way that I am and then and now I think about. Uh, what my goals are and what what to work on. Yeah, thank you. And I, and I I love actually, you know, I think what I loved about Colonel too, and I think Bang would agree, is that dimension of care that you don't really encounter, especially in the professional world, uh, unless you kind of work maybe in that an industry that is in you know what we like to call kind of care. But, you know, it's definitely not something I, I encountered a lot. And so it was really beautiful to come with this kind of dimension to see things with like, okay, how do you take care of things? What does that mean? How do you, and I, and I like what you were saying too, Andy, it's something you definitely need to practice. Um, 
you know, it's easy to kind of get out of the practice um, of just caring for certain things and not others and, and not holistically. And also talking about kind of kernel having different dimensions and what you were alluding to before with, you know, kernel is not about finding answers, which you may, which might be contradictory to most people like, oh, but I'm coming to an educational community. I do want answers. <laughs> It's about the questions and, and finding more questions. And like you said, that circle kind of keeps going. And, and then so I'd love to kind of dive into this now concept of the learner and the educator and, yeah, that dynamic. So maybe, Salim, that's something you can talk a bit about. Yeah, the... the I think we we... We're born into a world where ev everything that that uh, happened before we were born is normal, right? And and uh, and then over time, as time passes, we start to question these things and realize um, that the world we live in is made by people like us. And um, and some of these norms that we you know we we we've all grown up in classrooms with teachers, and we have these categorizations that become very profound in, in our mental models um and for me just the 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 unlearning that's needed to happen um is is when i my the first business i started as a teenager with my you know a friend of mine um uh I was considered the smart one because I got good grades and could read business books and use business words and come up with business plans. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and he was much, just much better at figuring things out as he went. And, uh, and of course we learned from each other um, and, and we're still friends to this day. And, you know, there was all kinds of ups and downs, but the, the, the interesting thing for me is like to unwrap that over years of working in especially technology or, or areas or social areas that are changing rapidly is like you can't you can't bring in a playbook. Best practices haven't emerged yet, right? So, um, so in that very uh, sort of practical sense, the people who are succeeding are the ones who kind of value novelty and experimentation and. Uh, uh, and like a, it's, a, it's a culture that values a good try, whether or not it's, it's succeeded and people trade notes and credit each other. And there's kind of this kind of culture. Um, uh, and everybody who has got something to teach or to share is has just learned it, right? In, in, in those scenarios. Um, uh, so you could say this about startups, like, working in, uh, you know, for a few years in uh, like technology markets in, in parts of Africa, like just that were changing, changing so quickly. Um, all kinds of contexts like that blockchain is another one. And yeah, so, so, so the question then is like, if you take on the role of an educator or an institution and creating a space for people to learn, then you're not organizing content anymore. Um, so what do you do? Um, so this is for me. This is kind of the the the, the practical sense of that question uh, from the point of view of trying to build these spaces, and it it then uh, it has much deeper uh, 
philosophical uh, and yeah, social uh, aspects to it too. We could maybe, uh, yeah, I think this is one one to hand off to Andy. Um, yeah, we could get into Illich now maybe. I'm so often accused of philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> the I, I will I will play the role in this particular occasion, which is to say that the word that I reference educare, right, to draw out, it means in some really deep sense that the answers that you are looking for are already within, and not in some like mystical sense, right? That See, when we when we put things in this dialectic, in this opposition between question and answer, right? We're in the same old dualistic frame that Colonel really like tries to provide a mirror for and say, look, this is how the world is structured. It is this interplay between opposites all of the time, right and wrong, good and bad, centralized, decentralized, up and down, north and south, have, have not, rich and poor, all of this. Right? You can't find anything in the world that is not some aspect of a duality in question and answer is that same structure. When, however, we notice the two oppositions, the two poles, and recognize that these are not absolute objects in and of themselves, but exist along a spectrum that we can choose where we place ourselves along an infinite line of possibilities between these opposites, you begin to recognize that it's not about oh, question like <laughs> Colonel is only a place of questions, no answers, or oh, we might give you some answer. It's trying to give birth to the answers that are already in you. Right? This is what really good conversation does. It's the whole point of Socratic dialogue, which is why I'm often accused of philosophy. Right? Is that Socrates was a midwife. This is the point about what those conversational environments are fundamentally about is you're trying to help the person with whom you are in dialogue give birth to themselves, just as they are doing that for you, right? That's what dialectic is. That's what it means. You're just giving birth to more and more refined perspectives or insights into what we really are. That's why it's so interesting to find incredible people all around the world who help you give birth to insights about who you are and what the world is and what the relationship is between me and world that you would not otherwise never have been able to answer. And in that regard, we can then begin to understand Illich's whole thing about saying, look, <laughs> this notion of authority is deeply flawed. Right? It's deeply thought at every level because it prevents this kind of mutual affordance, this kind of midwivery for one another in communion and conversation. And he applied it across the board, right? Because he was a very good thinker, <laughs> but also more than that. And so you'll find in de-schooling society, the attitude toward authority is applied to teachers and he deconstructs piece by piece how we set up this particular role, the authority with which we imbue it, and the problems that that causes in terms of genuine, lifelong, autonomous learning, right? Learning for freedom, really like free learning, both in terms of the content, but in 
also in terms of the outcome. The outcome is not some assessment. It's a, it's a state of being. It's a way of living. But he also applied it to institutions, right? So if you go and read Celebrating Awareness, which actually I think is his best book, you'll find a whole essay in there about, it's called The Powerless Protocols. And, and there he's talking about the church. He's saying the church needs to give up its role of authority and once again become a celebrant of the mystery. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> I love that. And, and I think it applies so deeply to what it is that makes the learner truly the educator because they are the celebrants of the mystery, right? That's, that's why everybody is a learner. And that's how, even if you have found yourself in a position of great skill, expertise, perspective, cultivation, whatever it is, you can always come back to beginner's mind because you know that the only reason we cultivate responsibility, the only reason that we agree to go on this journey of humility and generosity, reciprocity, responsibility is because we want to celebrate. <laughs> I mean, and what do we want to celebrate? The mystery. You, and it, <laughs> you can't know it, but you can, you can give, you can, you can sniff it. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can breathe it in, literally, especially in dialogue, in communion with another, because that shared air is exactly its form in this world of duality, right? That's, if you go again, back to the roots of the word spirit, it's pneuma or rachma, right? In the old Semitic languages, pneuma in Greek, it, it means air. <laughs> Wind, it's the thing we breathe together, <laughs> especially when we're talking. That's, that's what it is. That's why the Holy Spirit is a living tradition. It's not some dead thing up in the sky. It's, it's, it's a living tradition and not in some mystical sense. It's literally the air we breathe when we are conspiring, right? <laughs> conspiring to breathe together, conspire. Uh, so I think I've now satisfied my philosophy. <laughs> Roll, I can put it down again and just go back to quiet celebration. <laughs> no, I, I think that ties very well together with like all the different themes that themes that I've experienced, and I'm pretty sure Salim and Nirmala has have experienced throughout Kernel and throughout the different block. Um, modules that we've read together. I think that a, a question that then sparks in my mind, both for you, Celine and Andy, is by being a steward or a fellow, what have what are the things that you've learned or birth by birthing yourself? with the help of other midwives, just let's use that me metaphor. What are the things that you've, yeah, um, learned about yourself in that process of dialogue, I wonder? Yeah, the first, first one that was most obvious and in some ways most confronting for me uh, was how difficult it is to receive. 
I think that in, in beginning the journey and setting out to learn together, there was in that mission statement an implicit assumption about power right? that is deeply tied into this thing of teacher and student or educator and learner. That it's in every way much more difficult to receive a gift than it is to give it. <laughs> so it is lovely. If you've ever given a gift, all you want to do is carry on giving, right? It's so, it's so nice. But a gift only exists when it is received in good faith. That's what makes it a gift, right? It's like you can't create art alone. Even when you paint or write a poem or make a sculpture, it doesn't, it's not, it's not a poem or a painting or a sculpture until it is encountered by another and seen as that same thing for a gift. Right? And so it's that receipt in good faith, which, which makes it a gift. And it's so much more difficult. And it's still a lesson that I learn almost daily. Just how can you put yourself in a position to receive with grace and to receive gratefully, but hopefully cultivating the conditions for grace to be a part of the exchange. And there's so much in that. There's so much, there's so much about your own shadows. There's so much about your own projections. Your own subtle power plays the way that you expect what is due to you and what is not you know this it's endless <laughs> so i think you know that there are others but this is a huge theme for me in kernel because you know i wrote the module on the gift and i really thought that like i understood and intellectually i think that i did have a like a fair grasp of, of gift giving as it exists in like the historical, anthropological, literary, and other contexts in which it operates. But this experiential aspect of how to receive <laughs> is the hardest thing, you know, it's the hardest thing to really genuinely be able to ask for help in a meaningful way and not to necessarily expect that people will help you, but to also simultaneously craft the conditions where that help may be received once you've had the bravery and the courage to ask for it. Yeah, it's, uh, this one is deep for me. Salim, what about you? It, it's funny because it's, it's like happening right now. My, 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 I still kind of, play with slash struggle with the, I feel like a fellow in Colonel. Um, and, and I have this distinction between am I stewarding or am I fellowing that isn't always useful. Um, uh, and so for me, one of the things that, that, that happened in Colonel um, is, this reflection on like who who am I and who who can I be other than what other people think I am, right? Like, um, of course, there's you can get into you know does the internal self we we show different sides of ourselves to different people and in a different context, but there's something about even how I presented myself, you know, uh, or how I tend to present myself um, 
if somebody asked me to intro, like then I'll talk about the work I've done over the last 10 years and I've done pure learning stuff and then, right. And I can sort of, you know, chest puffing and, you know, like this sort of thing, we all do it, but then I, I hear myself and I'm like, that's not who I am. Um, in, uh, in, in the Italian Alps in, in Piedmont, there's this uh, little weird meme I've picked up on it. It's people sort of quit the city and buy like an old, stone house in the mountains to fix up people realize that they all know how to build stone floors even though nobody's taught them um right like there's a sort of innate innate knowledge that we all have and there's these things that that just come out of you uh and that you can just do um uh i almost think of it like a you know like embodiment it's like in the same way that like a cat knows how to hunt uh you know we can do these things and uh but we don't know we can do them um, and, and my idea of myself gets in the way so much of, of, yeah, of, of what other people see me as or what, what, what I can be of use of to them or, or not even that, right. It's just like that whole thing has been, uh, a reflection, um, especially as I just decide what what I want to do with my time, right? Like not in the sense of like today necessarily, but like, you know, these years, this this phase of my life, what 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 do I do with it? Right. And then what what is my purpose and my function? Um uh which then ties directly to like, oh, what kind of code do I want to write? What do I want to build? Right. What what fun do I want to have? Um uh but yeah, this whole reflection for me has has, has come out of this. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that's so interesting. Okay, there's so many directions I <laughs> we could go in now. You know, I, I think one thing, Andy, you were saying, like it was, it's what you learned about. Yeah, it's hard to receive gifts. Like I'd actually like to like get in a little bit more specific. Like what I guess, like because counter my counter thought to that too is it's also I love receiving gifts in the sense like you know, in the traditional sense. And I'm curious, like, do you have an example? Can we dive into that idea a little bit more and how you cultivate that gratefulness and, and why do you think that's an important part of being in kernel, like the kernel experience, receiving gifts? Because it feels like kernel is really like you do receive these little gifts through your interactions, through the knowledge, through the conversations. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just love to dive into that a little bit deeper, um, if you don't mind. Of course. You know, one of the things that people often ask Lewis Hyde, who is the man who wrote the book called The Gift, uh, which is referenced in the syllabus and which informs a great deal of our modern understanding of gift giving. He's, he's also a poet, which is why I love him. But this book was read by the people who started Burning Man and it filtered into that whole community. And there are many, many modern resonances that it has had and one of the fascinating things that Lewis says in almost every presentation that he gives is that people are constantly asking him okay it's thank you so much for telling us about the gift and the way that it manifests in maori communities or indigenous communities in the us or in all of these different imaginaries cultures and myths thank you you know it's wonderful to hear about that but like what can we do with this <laughs> you know it's such a it's really such a utilitarian mindset to take but his response is genuinely fascinating right he says 
just to be aware that there is such a thing as the spirit of the gift is already enough. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? Oh, just be aware it's, there is the spirit of the gift. Until you actually start to try and cultivate the kind of awareness that can see every single moment in your life as a gift. Right? Try and do that and get back to me about how difficult that genuinely is. <laughs> and this is really what I'm talking about because that's the kind of receptivity that I'm trying to indicate. We have all in our minds a very limited understanding of what gifts are and they make us feel good and fuzzy. They're often objects, some kind of material things, people giving us advice or their time. It can extend somewhat into the abstract realms, but it's always something that is like, it makes us feel good. You know? What about the gifts that don't make you feel good? <laughs> Have you thought about those? And this is this is this is really kind of what I'm trying to gesture at, and and what makes it really difficult right? is that to cultivate the kind of awareness that when I struggle, when I find myself in a conversation that isn't going well, or where I feel totally out of my depth, or where somebody's being an asshole, or when we're deeply misaligned or I am trying to code something and I just can't figure it out and there's no help on Stack Overflow and ChatGPT is falling over, you know, like, do I see that as a gift? <laughs> this, the, this is the kind of thing that I, that I really mean. And, you know, it, it obviously like relates in very practical ways to the organization that is kernel, you know, we're traditionally very good at helping people on their own journeys in various different ways, but we're really no good at having those people help us back. <laughs> the constant sort of feedback that, that we've got. You know. No, I totally get what you're saying. Like, yeah, the gifts that don't feel good, but they are, are they still gifts in that way and interpreting them that way and seeing, like you said, yeah, when shit's not working and you're just like, <laughs> but is it still a moment of growth? And yeah, that, that's really beautiful. Yeah, amazing. Um, Fang, I, might, I know you had some questions too to add, so maybe we can dive into those. Yeah. Um, just to touch upon the, the last point, Andy, I, I, there are like two things that come to mind. One is, I think I was like, I don't know, I don't remember who was the quote by, but it was, it remind me to, to something that I remind myself daily, most likely, is just to, to have a wholehearted cooperation with the inevitable in life, I guess. And it kind of feels similar to just accept all, everything as a gift and um, to indeed, um yeah being grateful for everything that happens uh, which is potentially not to you but for you um i guess um so yeah i just wanted to touch upon those two things um i think another item that i would like to to dive into which is also closely related to to the way that you all are in kernel and we all are in kernel is something that you spoke on 
Junto recently in this blog about your encounter with Paul Maybert uh, in a coffee shop. And you ask him, what is a man such yourself doing here making coffee? And his answer was like, it's not what you do that matters for all, almost nothing. It's how you are while you're doing it. And I have this question, Andy, for you and for you, Celine, like how were you, how you are while you're writing the kernel syllabus? Um, how you are selling as a colonel steward? It was a fun, a fun encounter, truly. Um, and it, it points at what I'm really trying to indicate again with this thing about the gift and even polarities a little bit earlier in the conversation is that it's not about projecting uh, like your limited understanding of what a gift is onto a like objectively bad situation and be like, oh, I ought to be grateful about this. That's not at all what I'm saying. Right? Uh, the, that that ought to when it's about like how you sh like like should or ought to feel about a given situation is the worst. <laughs> it's no good. It's it's expanding the very notion of what gift is and what question and answer both revolve around what encompasses both, what holds both that I'm really interested in. And Paul's point is very, very much about that because, you know, the practical answer, how was I when I was first writing the Carl syllabus, enormously rushed. <laughs> it's, it's like I, I, was, I was writing the syllabus as we were running Genesis block. I had done the first two readings in each module, but all of the crafted readings, the really long briefs on the more interesting content were being done week on week and released on Sunday night before the week. So I was, I was working my ass off. <laughs> and there are aspects of that which are like so-called objectively unpleasant. And it's not about repressing those or somehow seeing them as pleasant. No, it's about cultivating the kind of awareness and the kind of ability to respond to the situations that present themselves in my life, which enables me to experience rushedness, hastiness, angst, anxiety, unpleasantness, confrontation as part of the total picture, right? So you don't get repressed or suppressed or I ought not to feel that way. It's just that, ah, you know, there they are, but that's not who I am. And they're only a part of what is really unfolding in the situation. So Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Buddhist recently departed, he used to say, when you get angry, you just imagine your anger like a little closed up flower he said, hello, my little anger. I know you so well. It's lovely that you're back. Welcome. <laughs> and you just shine the morning sunshine of awareness on it. And then after a long enough time, your anger just begins to, to blossom. Right? The anger doesn't go away. <laughs> it just blossoms. And it shows you what's really at the heart of the flower. 
And in the same way, this is this is what I'm trying to point at when like how you are, right? It's not about being in some elevated state only ever seeing the good transcendence light. No, 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 no. The thing is, are you are you really here? Have, have you paid attention? Are you astonished? And can you tell about it? This is an old Mary Oliver poem. It's just just that. Are you really here? Are you astonished? Can you tell about it? Is there a balanced being with the world? Because that's it's not two or four in 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 my experience. I think it's it's just with. Two uh, so is this like victim mentality. Four is, I think, you know, patently untrue sometimes, especially in difficult situations. It's <laughs> not happening for me, <laughs> clearly, you know. Um, <laughs> But, but with always, I can't escape that. Um, you know, and sometimes I wish I could, but that is a call to create a cultivation of responsibility. And so we go. I, I kind of want to answer this in relation to the questions we're circling around education. Um, There's something wonderful about this space that we're in right now um, and to like observe. Um, so here we are, Andy and I have our steward hats on. You two have your fellow hats on. Um, uh, you're the hosts of this place and you're asking us questions, which I am learning from, right? And so I'm here right? and, and there's in some ways where we're playing into these Elitian roles that we uh, we're trying to avoid, and in other ways, we're completely inverting them. Um, and I used to, when I was doing this startup education thing, I was speaking at conferences, and I had uh, I was a teacher, um, uh, and I had friends, especially like as you build authorities in these small little puddles. Um, uh, you know, we had friends who were like, like investors and they were authorities and they would present and, and sometimes you'd get this case where, um, people would just see you as an authority and whatever, and they would start asking questions that you have no place to answer really, but somehow you feel you should answer. And I remember one of my friends and, and afterwards I was like, what was that bullshit you were saying? <laughs> like, stop yourself. And he's like, no, I couldn't. It's horrible. Um, and it's like, how do we create this like trap of, uh, you know, of, of creating ourselves as the authority and creating these expectations of others. And uh, the, 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 how I am is honestly struggles with, um, with this still. Um, I, uh, yeah, I kind of avoid it. I'm also like Andy, Vivek and Aliyah are these amazing big people right and it's intimidating to work with them but it's also great to see uh the behind the scenes versions of them too um uh and yeah so for me this is like like yeah for, for me the the how the how i am is uh it's very sort of uh uh multivalent it, I, I I tend to like enjoy it when I recognize that these things are happening and, and enjoy the comedy. 
um, uh, other times I'm just in it um, and I'm, uh, uh, yeah, and I'm uh, just trying to get something done or like I, you know, I, uh, uh, back to the thing of who am I and, and what do people expect of me? I kind of feel that it's like, what is my responsibility uh, as a steward? What's the compliment I can bring? Um, so I, I, you know, so this is, these are things that I, that, that, that sometimes weigh on me. Um, uh, but yeah, like here, I just enjoy being in this wonderful space that you've created and, uh, and asking hard questions that make me think, um, yeah, and reflect it. I think this is the, to me, the, one of the, one of the useful heuristics of like, did, did education happen is after the experience, did somebody change, not just change their worldview because that's abstract, but did you see people start to take what they learned and change the way they make decisions based on it, including changing their goals, right? Like that's when you really see that something was learned. Um, not always, but it's like, a, it's a useful thing to look for. Did, did education happen? And, you know, and, and uh, yeah, here I see that, that we're doing it. Um, yeah, even though that, that, that I'm, you know, I'm not on the, the same level of Andy and Paul on the how, how I am when I'm doing things I'm very often, uh, uh, yeah, in, into monkey mind or, or just wanting to get into flow of like work or something like that. So something I, I work on, but uh, yeah, that's where I am. That's how I am. Me uh, how about you? Yeah. Me there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I mean, it's a good question. I, you know, I think, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I do really like what you're saying about the role reversal because, yeah, like we really came into Kernel. I mean, I came into Kernel, me and Fang both came in very new to the space, to, to you know, blockchain technology and all the concepts. And I do, I feel like, you know, even in this context, it, you know, here we are asking you questions about Kernel, which was our origin story. And it, it's, it's super cool, actually, um, to kind of see it like all being reflected back. Um. I did want to, we, we have like a few, like five minutes or so left. And I did want to leave some room to talk a little bit about, you know, the tools or what you're building at Kernel. Because obviously, you know, trying to create this community that does really look at things differently, that tries to change the roles, you know, it, it's quite deep and conceptual. Um, and obviously you use tools like Slack and, uh, you know, existing tools to kind of build your knowledge base and community. But I'd love to, I know that you're kind of working on new things. I'd love to understand, like, how do you approach creating this kind of space, you know, like cultivating a space for this type of change in people to kind of come and feel like welcome to kind of to have these conversations, you know, like I do remember being in some conversations in kernel that were like super awkward, but like that's kind of sometimes a space you need to be in. <laughs> To, to, you know, force this, like you said, draw it out of yourself, um, which, you know, and, and it took me a while to kind of be okay with that. But yeah, I'd love to understand, like, what are some of the tools? They don't necessarily have to be the technical tools, but yeah, like conversation as a tool, or, or, or like maybe we could touch on that um, just so people have an idea of like, okay, what could they expect coming into the kernel space? Um, the one thing that I have learned a great deal about, um, as a tool of learning in, in peer learning environments in kernel, um, is as you pointed out, conversation, um, dialogue and, 
I could kind of see it working. Uh, and for me, as a fellow in KB5, it was like, there's some magic that happens here and I don't understand it. Um, and, uh, and the stewards really helped me see um, how a calm space um, that is focused on human relationships more than any other kind of outcome or measurement um, and how just trying to absorb something alone versus absorbing it through dialogue and dialogue in context of our lives, right? Not just like a project um, is so powerful and, and, and uh, uh, just works so well. Uh, and you see, you see the change in people. So I, yeah, for me, that's, that's my, my learning from, from this is, as, as I'd say the, the fundamental kernel tool. Um, uh, there are, you know, we, we spoke a bit about Illich and, and one of my education heroes is an Illich contemporary called Michelle Thomas, who's known for like this language teacher. Um, uh, very much the same values um, and, and uh, uh, same political goals as well. Um, but Thomas had uh, a recognition that you, you, the psychology of learning uh, and uh, the physiological conditions that allow you to learn better uh, uh, happen with calmness and you can, and actually stripping away everything that feels like a school is already a big step. Um, and then learning through dialogue on top of that, right? And then this happens in kernel as well. Um, so there's a lot that just, uh, you know, you, I started earlier using the word practical and it's uh, um, you know, practical versus philosophical. And it's kind of like this fun ongoing joke uh, that uh, we all play in kernel, but the, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a deep practicality to both of those things that that doesn't feel practical when you experience it. But if you're paying attention to the signs that true education is happening, uh, uh, it's, it's it's very difficult to argue uh, uh, that that people are learning and uh, uh, and there's something also of the safety of the friendships that form that you know that you're not alone in your learning journey. So these, these, these aren't like isolated things where I'm gonna read this material and then I'm not going to be in touch with these people. We're just, right, this is, there's something that you know that allows you to invest more heavily um, uh, as a fellow um, uh, and take the sort of the bigger, the bigger leaps and look, look, look farther down the road of what this means to you uh, and why you're learning it because you know that these people are coming along with you, that they're gonna be there. Um, yeah, Andy, I don't, yeah, I, I think I haven't done this justice, um, but those are the, those are the main tools that I see uh, at like the, the fundamental pillars of kernel. Um, yeah, I think that's beautiful. You know, uh, we're, we're not gonna get through the entire program redesign in three minutes. Uh, <laughs> and so at that kind of level, conversation is, one of the critical tools, you know, the, the interesting angle on this for me is the, I prefer the word, you know, like technique, 
than than tool because tool is again it's 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 only about procedural knowledge right it's, it's knowing how to do stuff and there's so many other kinds of knowledge there's propositional stuff which is knowing whether things are true or false semantic memory procedural stuff the tools procedural memory and then there's like perspectival you know how, how it felt to be me in this particular situation it's episodic memory and and then you have participatory knowing which plugs into sort of distributed memory senses around the brain in really interesting ways. All four of these are very important in their own sense, and they all need to be cultivated to get to the kind of responsibility and the kind of wholehearted conversation which we're most interested in having ourselves and therefore in being able to invite others to. And when we look at it through the lens of technique, you know, the, again, the Greek there is techne, it's craft, right? There is, and that's why it's enormously practical, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily feel so because we've been conditioned to believe that practical equals utilitarian. And, and that's not true, right? It's deeply not true. And it's one of the things that we have to unlearn if we really want to try and find the answers that we already are. Like, this is the first question that, that Colonel begins with, right? Like what, <laughs> uh, you know, what is the question to which you are the universe's answer? You really reflect on that. You, oh my God, I'm an answer. <laughs> it's incredible, amazing, amazing stuff. You know, and it can only be seen through another. So that 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 that, that craft, care, conversation—they all they all go together, and they have enormous imports. They are enormously pragmatic when we have shifted our lens, our perception from just one end of the spectrum and are cultivating the capacity to take more and more in in any given moment. So to get pragmatic and share some alpha on what's coming. Um, One of the things, so we're going to start to layer, we're calling it layering up amongst uh, the stewards. We've spent a lot of time um, looking back through past blocks, looking at what works, sharing stories, and, and a lot of it is focused on empathizing with fellows and their stories. And um, because the, the blocks so far have been, you know, they're getting into hundreds of people and very frenetic and, uh, um, there's so much to, to, especially for stewards, there's just so much to do, right? And so we needed time for these conversations. We needed time to, uh, uh, to explore all of that learning so that we could uh, and give ourselves a space to apply it. A lot of what's coming is this, there's going to be, from a program design point of view, there's definitely big changes coming. Um, but a lot of it is the same stuff uh, reoriented, reconfigured, the constellations are slightly different. Um, the, there's two big changes that matter, I think, to, to, to fellows, um, or actually more than two. Uh, there's the access to content is becoming more open. We're focusing, uh, we're shifting and balance, rebalancing our attention on, uh, on all the fellows, we're almost 2,000 fellows now. What are what are we up to? Where are we in our lives? Right? How can how can Colonel still serve 
in a very relevant way, all of these fellows. There's so many things that we're, so many places we've gone and things we're trying. And there's 2000 of us that, uh, that it's very likely that whatever any fellow is up to right now, there are two or three fellows, eternal fellows who are going to be uh, very instrumental and supportive, right? If we can create that space. Uh, and from the point of view of, of us as stewards and, and, uh, and how we re, uh, reconfigure this, we're going to be focusing a lot more on uh, responsiveness, right? So um, things that, ways that we do things in which we individually understand needs, go a bit deeper, calibrate, not just the stewards doing this for fellows, but creating a space for fellows to do this more easily for each other. And then allowing things like the syllabus and different pulling different communities in, guest speakers, all this to be more oriented around these deeper needs that we have uh, helped surface um, for each other. Um, yeah, so and and so what we'll do is now we're just going to start to uh, reintroduce a lot of these uh, events um, and and sort of ramp back up to uh, to a place where uh, I think kernel will be more ongoing um, uh, and uh, more porous and more accessible um, yeah um, I wonder how much specifics we should share Andy how do you feel what's next I think that we might be uh, nearing the end of the a lot of time for the podcast. Right? The uh -huh. Yeah, no, I was going to say you can keep some Better at timekeeping. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, you're, it's getting juicy. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I've got to save some of that juice. <laughs> but this is honestly, it sounds really exciting. Like, I'm, uh, yeah, really excited to see what the next iteration looks like and feels like. And yeah, eager, eagerly awaiting. So thank you for sharing some alpha with us, Salim. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> watch, watch Convo in the coming weeks. And, uh, oh, okay. We'll do. Enjoy. We'll, do. Yes. we'll be there. Um, but no, you're right. We do we do have to wrap up, you know, and we re really thank you for this hour. Like, it's been really special. Um, and I, I guess, is there any last words or anything you'd like to leave us with? Or, or maybe like I might just suggest, I really, you reminded me, Andy, of uh, what are the question that, what are the questions that you are the universe's answer? I hope I said that right. But actually, I, you know, you reminded me of that. And I was like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and I think that was one of the things I read that really meant, was like, yeah, I know Kernel is the place to be. So thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's it. Bang, anything else to add? Otherwise we'll... Great. Well, thank you so much, both of you. It's been, this has been a gift, so thank you. Yes, it has. Thank you. Yeah, um, thank you for this time together. Um, it feels very wonderful. It feels uh, just a regular combo at Colonel. I think that's where we'll end it. We can stop recording. And yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate you.